Hey, Dan Meller here. I just did an interview with Jason Duncan, the real Jason Duncan, on his show, The Root of All Success. Well, we got in some deep weeds that I didn't expect. He walked me into reliving a season in my own entrepreneurial life that uh, was surprising to him and uh, kind of mind-blowing to me to walk through again. Hey, there's hope. If you're struggling as an entrepreneur, you've got to check out this episode where we talk about how to really find the root of all success. Welcome to the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the show. This is The Real Jason Duncan. You can call me JD. Boy, have I got a great interview for you today. This is Dan Miller, the famous Dan Miller, legendary Dan Miller of 48 Days to the Work You Love at 48days.com. I'm going to share with you, and as I talked with him at the very beginning, how we originally came to know one another back in the mid-90s, and he is still going strong and killing it. Uh, in his profession as a coach, as a mentor, as a mastermind facilitator and leader, as an author, and as a podcast host. This guy's amazing. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. He's also the author of three other books. One is Wisdom Meets Passion. Another is No More Dreaded Monday. And the third one is An Understanding Heart, which is his most recent release. Uh, His 48 Days podcast consistently ranks in the top 1% of all podcasts worldwide. His 48dayseagles.com community is viewed as an example around the world for those who are seeking to find or create the work that they love. He has a a really amazing story about how he and Dave Ramsey collaborated at the very beginning of his legendary career as the 48 Days guy. You're not going to believe how this came about. It's not in any planned or structured way. This is really a great story. He and his wife, Joanne, have been married for over 55 years. They have three grown children, 17 grandchildren. They live in the uh, beautiful city of Osprey, Florida. And it is my honor to welcome to the Root of All Success, the one and only Dan Miller. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited to be with you today. Well, you you are a legend, my man. Legend before your own time. I, I have known about you for so very long. When we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, getting prepped for the show, you know, you, you were a part of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University early on when that was going live, when he was doing those live in person at MTSU in Murfreesboro. My wife, I guess this had to be 1996. My wife and I were part of that first class and you were there. And uh, that was the first time I got ever uh, exposed to the 48 days concept and you, and I have known about you ever since. So, and now here we are on the podcast talking one-on-one. It's uh this is a, a dream come true, Dan, really. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Boy, I'll tell you what, those years go by. You're talking 30 years ago. So much has happened and yet some things are still 
the same in terms of things that work well, but it's interesting to have a little life perspective to be able to look back that far. So thanks for that reminder. <laughs> well, it could be 48 years to the work you love at some point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for some people, it seems to be. Well, I'm 48 years old and I am, uh, I am absolutely living in the center of my passion, my purpose, my joy. I, I'm doing exactly what I believe God's called me to do on this earth. So it took me 48 years to get to this spot. So maybe I could write a book called 48 Years. Well, there work. you go. Golly, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we're actually, uh, this will ha this will have happened a month prior to this show airing, but just so you know, we're we're doing an Ikigai uh, workshop at my office, which Ikigai is the Japanese principle of the reason for being, and I'm actually bringing in one of the top Ikigai coaches in the world to come do that here in at my uh, training room in Hendersonville next, I think it's next week, so it'll be like one month prior to this show being released, so if anybody's interested in seeing the replay of that, you can just go to my YouTube channel, therealjasonduncan.com slash YouTube, or no, I did that backwards, youtube.com slash therealjasonduncan, and look up the uh, EMS playlist, and you'll see my thing with uh, with Norm Tam we did on Ikigai, but finding your purpose seems to be something that people have always had trouble with, so is that uh, has that been your your understanding, Dan, is that why you got into the 48 days to the work you love concept? I, I did. And it, you're right. It's long going. I, I think Adam and Eve probably struggled to figure that out. So it's not a new concept at all. But I kind of backed into my focused work in that area. Years ago, I was asked to teach a Sunday school class there at Christ Church in, um, in Brentwood, Tennessee, you know, near you. And I expected to have, you know, the 18-year-old who was trying to figure out what to major in in college or the 24-year-old who was out of college and didn't have the Mercedes and the drive and the white picket fence they were led to believe would automatically happen. I had a few of those. But what surprised me, Jason, was I had physicians, attorneys, dentists, pastors, engineers, accountants who started coming to that class just grew exponentially. It was on career life transitions. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? You know, and they said, well, everybody sees us as doing okay, and we are but I don't think this is it. I think there's something more. You know, a lot of people end up 10 years into their career simply because they had the academic ability to keep going to school. And now they got a JD or a PhD or an MD behind their name, but it's not their passion. It's not that economy that we talk about. It's not that. And that's where I leaned into that. And boy, it has been a delightful ride to help other people as well as determining my own. What is your real purpose, your passion, not just what are you able to do. So are you telling me that the whole 48 days to the work you love concept, which is your whole brand started because you taught a Sunday school class? Is that, is that where that happened? Totally. A hundred percent. So how did you, how did you come about the, the, the idea? Okay. I'm going to teach a Sunday school class and I'm going to do it on career life transitions. And like, did you have something specific in mind that you wanted to get across? Did you already have curriculum developed and you were trying to test it out? Or was it just, hey, I think this is a good topic. Let's see what happens. It, you know, I, I'm very much the entrepreneur where, yeah, we like to have a plan. And I know you talk a lot about having a strategic plan and all that. But for that, I did not. It was totally aside. I'm an entrepreneur, top of my head to tip of my toes. I've never had a real job, never got a paycheck, never had benefits, vacation. And I'm an entrepreneur. So I was busy making a living, doing okay. I'm a sales guy. Church asked me to do that. And I said, sure. 
I just stayed one week ahead of people in listening to their stories, listening to their challenges, and then creating content. And it just snowballed from there. Then I had people saying, wow, I've got a son-in-law who's been without work for three months. I want him to hear what you just described to us. What do you have I can give him? And I didn't have anything. And finally, just because of the repeated requests, I put together just my rough Sunday school notes in a three-ring binder. We'd buy them at Office Depot, three-ring binder, put them in there, put a couple. Back then, it was cassettes that I put in there on the inside cover, and I started making it available. Then I went to a, a conference with uh, Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, talking about how to sell your book once you had it done. I never talked to a publisher or library or anything. I was just giving people what they were asking for. I came back from that conference along with my buddy, Dave Ramsey. He and Sharon went with us out there. We had a blast. And in the next 24 months, I sold over $2 million worth of that three ring binder. I thought, hey, there might be an opportunity with this little thing I'm doing as a Sunday school class. Wow. So you went from just teaching Sunday school, just ideas, concepts to selling $2 million worth in 24 months. When you, when you did that, was 48 days, the, the original brand or, or where did that number come from? Well, again, it's, I'd like to tell you it was some scientifically designed study that ended up there, but it's very much the entrepreneur style. It was just a whim. What happened there originally, my company was called the business source. Have you ever heard anything more generic than the business source? And I was just helping people go through this. And finally, I had uh, kind of a process that I called find the job you love in 30 days. Well, what I realized, 30 days didn't really grab people. And, and I was motivated to do that because I found I could work with somebody who clearly said their work sucked. They're not going to do that anymore. We'd map out a plan. And a year later, I'd run into them and they hadn't done anything. I'm like, what's up with that? Well, I'm waiting until the kids get out of high school. Wait until I pay off the mortgage. People are always waiting on something, waiting on the lights to be green. I said, there's got to be a timeline where it, it presents a sense of urgency to make the decision and take new action. This was back when 48 hours was becoming popular as a TV show. I thought, well, there's a number. It's not 30, 60, 90, 120 that we don't pay attention to. 48, it sounds like there's a reason behind it. I thought I'd do this for a month. When I did, Jason, it was like somebody threw gasoline on everything I was doing. People were, you mean I really can change my life in 48 days? And my response then, as it is now, is yes, you can if you create a plan and execute it. 48 days. So that's a little less than seven weeks. So there is, I always wondered why the 48, why that number? Because it doesn't match up with weeks. It doesn't, doesn't match. No. With, only, we know, we know the rest of the story. Um, what would, to what would you attribute though, this, uh, well, let me back up before I ask that question. It, it is very obvious that people are eager for this. There are people who are eager for figuring out what the heck I'm here for. What do I want to do? How do I find that? How do I get those? That's obvious. So, so content aside, because people wanted it, what do you, to what do you attribute that rapid acceleration of sales. I mean, to go from concept and three ring binder and cassettes to $2 million in sales in under two years, that's, that sounds like unrealistic for anybody to expect that that would happen, even if the content is golden as it is. But to what do you attribute that rapid success? Well, that's an interesting question. And really, I uh, have to be realistic. There's two parts to that. One part is, it does strike a nerve with people to recognize, am I really living life 
fully? Am I really living in my passion, in that sweet spot where my talent, passion, and money intersect? That's that sweet spot. So there's that real felt need there. But on the other hand, I knew Dave Ramsey when he and I both went through a very low point in our businesses. We cried together and sat around a little uh, card table in his rented house trying to figure out what the heck we were going to do when we grew up to unwrap the screwed up lives we had created at that point. Well, David started his radio show. He didn't have advertisers back then. Guess what? He'd have callers. Gee, my name's Jason. I'm 48 years old. I make $35,000 a year. My wife wants to stay home with the kids. What can I do? And he said, you need to get my buddy Dan Miller's material, 48 Days to the Work You Love, to figure out how to make more money before this is ever going to work. He did that. And at one point, I was getting 1,000 new subscribers a week based on Dave Ramsey referrals. So that was in the er I caught the early years in his show before people were paying millions of dollars to be promoted on there and rode that wave up and it exploded my business as well. Wow. So how long, how long before this exploded? Cause you had the business source as a business, but how uh, go backwards in time when you're commiserating with Dave over a card table and you're both, I, I would assume going through, I know we know Dave's story because he tells it on the story on the show a lot about, going through bankruptcy, real estate, got over leveraged, blah, blah, blah. Like how long prior to, to your success did those conversations happen? Are we talking a year prior, two years prior? When, how long, how fast did this transition happen? It was in, when, when you talked about like 96, 97, Dave was doing financial peace as live seminars. I was doing chapter eight of that on careers live in Murfreesboro, Clarks, Clarksville and Nashville. And then when he decided he wanted to expand that and he did some really rudimentary videos for that, still used my content word for word for years in the early versions of financial peace. But it was during those years, 96, 97, that I was teaching at Sunday school class. I had the first version of 48 days, that being that three ring binder in 2000. In 2000 is when I went to in 2002 is when I went to that Mark Victor Hansen conference. It came back and sold the fire out of those things. In 2005, I got the first publishing deal, which diminished my profits per unit dramatically, but it increased the distribution exponentially. It's in like 14 different languages. So it, it was a net that I could draw people in where they would then spend money on all the other things I had to offer in addition to the book. So it was in that timeline. Uh, that book is now in its, I actually go back and count the version I had as a three ring binder in 2000. So I'm working now on the 25th anniversary edition that'll come out late next year. So when you go, so, so that was pretty rapid. I mean, from 2000, 2002, 2005 to get published. Um, but when you, when you go back to that time of sitting with there where you're commiserating over bad businesses, how, how many years prior to this, did that happen? Did that happen in the early nineties? Did that happen in the eighties? When, when did I, I, and the reason I'm asking Dan is because people want to yeah. know, okay, if I'm in the middle of the, the, you know, what show, if I'm in the middle of the crap that's happening I, and it's all bad bankruptcy's looming, my wife is mad at me. The kids don't like me. The dog bites me. Everything's wrong. I don't have any money to, I'm super successful and I, I, you know, I, I couldn't ask for anything different. 
how long is that timeline for you? How long did that take? You know, I don't want this to be discouraging, <laughs> but here's the, here's the reality. In September of 1988, I had a health and fitness center in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, I sold that at public auction. It was a horrible decision to do so. But the bank that I had relationships with, I had these open-handed uh, lines of credit, you know, young pup and good guys at the bank. The bank changed ownership three times in two years. And all of a sudden, these new corporate bankers said, geez, we got this young guy with these open lines of credit. That's not good. They put the pressure on me. And I decided, what the heck, I'm an entrepreneur. I'll sell the primary business that I had, that 4,000-member fitness center. I did. I woke up the next morning realizing I didn't just walk out with my shirt on my back. I had over $430,000 in debt. A lot of that to the IRS. I was in a mess. That was 1988. Now, being an entrepreneur, you know how we think. What the heck? I'll knock this out. A couple of years, I'll be back in my feet. Let's go. It took a lot longer than that. With the IRS, liens, penalties, extra taxes and all that, it was a nightmare to unravel. In September of 2000, 12 years later, I walked into my office in Brentwood one, one Thursday morning. Fax machines started peeling off IRS lien releases, 14 pages. At that point, I had resolved all that, and I was back to zero net worth. I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled to, be, to have a zero net worth at that point. You know how old I was, Jason? I was 53. Wow. I was 53. Now, I want, I want your listeners to understand, you know, you don't have to kill it by the time you're 26 or you're never going to make it. Most of what everybody knows about me has happened since I was 53 years old. The success I've had with the things I've done, you know, has been really wonderful to experience. But I was 53 years old and flat broke. And also, those downturns, now I hope nobody, I hope it doesn't take somebody 12 years to recover from whatever they went through. And knowing what I know now, I think I could have accomplished it faster, but it was primarily the IRS. My encouragement to entrepreneurs, don't get in trouble with the IRS. Hey, if you don't have, if you can't have lights on in your house and nothing to feed the kids, figure that out, but don't get in trouble with the IRS. It was a nightmare. Wow. So what, I mean, what happened? How did you get in trouble with the IRS? Was it just you had you had income to your business and didn't didn't pay your taxes or what, like what happened let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible as an entrepreneur i know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis i mean every entrepreneur does and if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long but I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, uh, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. What Dub does, I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored 
that they're our uh, primary sponsor of the podcast. But they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built, Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, uh, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try dub. Plus you're going to get 50% off your first two months of dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to the real slash dub. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Yeah. You know, those taxes you withhold from employees. Oh, <laughs> oh that's even worse than what I was thinking. <laughs> worse than you were thinking they don't take too kindly to that when you've withheld from people's salaries and don't then turn that over immediately to the irs hey i was young going by the seat of my pants i said i'll figure this out but when some things kind of converge put me in a tough spot but yeah that was it it was those 941 withholdings and they, they got me I in mean, big trouble. Th- th- I mean, I know people, go, I don't know personally, but I know people go to jail over that too. How would you, how were you able to just, you know, navigate it over 12 years to get them paid back and them not put you in jail? I mean, holding payroll taxes back is a big deal. Yeah, it is. Well, they realized, I mean, they were able to see, I really didn't have anything. It wasn't like I was trying to hide something at that point, but during that 12 years, I couldn't own anything. I mean, there was no way they, they had liens on everything I had. So they tracked everything that I did. And it was during that period of time I worked through. Now, part of, part of it was I went so long in that process of recovery. There was a statute of limitations that provided some relief. And then I did an offer in compromise, worked with my attorney, finally did an offer in compromise. But when you're in that you know, I was close to $200,000 there, that 430,000, a lot of it was other people. And I, I did not, this is one of those things too. If I had filed bankruptcy, I could have shortened that process, but I was raised Mennonite. I don't know how much you know about the Amish Mennonites, but geez, if your word isn't good, dig a hole and push me in. So I don't care about contracts I've got. If I've given my word, I'm going to keep that no matter what. And so I told all those other vendors, suppliers, and people that I owed money. Look, I don't have it. If you sue me, you'll get nothing. But if you work with me, I'll get you something every month. So I extended that period. Now, I don't regret doing that for a nanosecond. It still um, is the way I wanted to walk through that tough period of time. But it probably extended that because I was also paying those old vendors as well as the IRS to get that mess unraveled. Well, that's an interesting thing. I, and and I, I, it's something you can talk freely about now because it's so many years ago. But there's a lot of people that are struggling with those realities today. And they're dark realities. There are things that they don't want to talk about outside their bedroom with their spouse about, hey, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of encouragement, Dan, in hearing your story. Because as I said at the beginning, you know, joking about your legend, we've, I've known about you for so long. But, here, but the reality is, what I just discovered is that in 1996, when I saw you speak, you were not only dead broke, you were in trouble with the IRS. And yet there you are standing in front of people 
like me saying, hey, here, here's how you become successful. Here's how you get to the work you love. I think there's a level of encouragement that a lot of people who are in that dark space right now need to hear. So you chose not to file bankruptcy, but in effect, I don't know my bankruptcies. I don't know seven from 11. If I just know their numbers. But I, isn't there a level of bankruptcy that you could have filed, but you still would have paid everybody back the way that you did? but it might've given you a little bit of protection on being able to own something. I, I don't know how that works. I don't even know if anybody's ever asked you that before, but I'm curious. Nobody's ever asked me that before. There, there is, and you're right, but I just rejected the whole idea. The encouragement I had from, you know, attorneys was just file and walk away from it. I said, now I'm not going to do that. So I just never even explored the other options there. Again, assuming I could handle it much quicker than the reality allowed me to do it. There's a couple other things in there. And I think it probably merits sharing. When I hit that period of time and I realized I was so deeply in debt, a lot of entrepreneurs think, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just go get a job. Now I already had at that point, I had a master's in clinical psychology. I was teaching as an adjunct at Western Kentucky University, I could have gotten a job making $70,000, $80,000 a year. No question about it. I couldn't make the math work. There's no way in the world. I had three little kids with that amount of debt to just survive as a family and take care of that. It never worked. Guess what my options were? Jump back in something as an entrepreneur. No guarantee, but no ceiling. And that's what I did. And so I started making decent money pretty quickly, even though it still took a lot of time to walk out of that. But it was an entrepreneurial choice immediately. No second thinking about I'm going to take a safe way because this didn't work that time. Wow. That is, that's really an unbelievable story, Dan. I, I would have never in a million years imagined that that was part of your story. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know how, how much you tell that story publicly, but uh it is now, <laughs> it's out it there now. now. But, but I, I'm very grateful that of your honesty and transparency on that. And again, I know that time soothes those wounds and it's easy to talk about now because it's so long ago, but in the middle of that, I can't imagine you were freely talking about, yeah, I live a government 400 grand, you know? I, I, oh, I <laughs> that was very painful. And what happens too, I mean, you know, I have a wonderful, wonderful wife who loves to be a hostess, loves to entertain. Well, the IRS, forced the sale of our house. So we couldn't own any real estate. They would seize it immediately. So in those 12 years, we had to rent. We just rented crappy little places. And my wife really, I think, became convinced that we'd never have our own place again. There were a lot of people who told us, you'll never unravel this mess with the IRS. You'll go to your grave with them hounding you. We heard that a lot. I kept cutting pictures out of magazines put them on the refrigerator. I said, honey, this is the kind of house we're going to have when I get this thing figured out. Babe, look at this. You know, what would you want? I kept that dream alive from day one. Never, never, never allowing me to believe we were not going to get out of that mess that I had created. I took responsibility for creating it. In the next morning, I didn't point the finger at the bank or anybody else. I looked at the dude in the mirror and said, hey, you got us into this. How are you going to get us out? And started walking that out. But that was that was tough. And when I when those IRS lien releases came through on that September morning in 19 or in 2000, rather, we bought a house that same month. 
We just recently sold that house. We lived in that house for 20 years. I got it back. That was when subprime lending was up. My credit was trashed. I got a non-qualifying loan for the entire, for a hundred percent of that house. Violated every rule that Dave Ramsey would talk about incidentally and doing that. But I did. We lived there for 20 years. I made over a million dollars when I just sold it recently over what I paid for it. Wow. So, so, so Dave's I just, advice might not always, <laughs> not always leave. <laughs> might go against it sometimes, huh? I just did the entrepreneurial thing, move forward with confidence, say we're going to make this happen. So, um, so from a financial standpoint, for you to go for those 12 years, you were an entrepreneur very briefly, just what were you doing during those entrepreneur years, those 12 years that you were trying to dig out of the hole? What, what was your venture that you were working on? Yeah, I did commission sales work. hundred mm. okay. percent. So where I didn't have to, I didn't have to have any investment cause I didn't have any, but I didn't want to work for somebody and just be paid a salary. So it was a hundred percent straight commission. A lot of opportunities out there. Those were the open-ended ones. And I got to where I was, you know, making ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month pretty quickly because of my sales skills. So that's what I did. Yeah, so I didn't own anything, didn't have my own business, commission sales. So you're making, you're making pretty good money, especially for that time. You're making, was that $150,000 to $180,000 a year, um, you know, as a commission salesperson but you couldn't buy anything. You you had to rent everything. So were you just stacking up savings waiting for the day or did 100% of your extra go to the IRS and your vendors? Yeah, 100% of my extra went to them. I wasn't saving anything. That's why when I got to that fateful day and got all those releases, I was literally at zero. I had taken every penny I had at that point and come up with that offer and compromise to the IRS. But most of it during that time was just being piled against those debts. The other vendors I owed for billboards and radio advertising and things like that. When I had that fitness center that I promised I'd pay back and the IRS. Yeah, there wasn't anything left. So what advice would you give to people that are facing or are in the middle of those circumstances? You, you got to believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel. If you lose that, you're really screwed because it's the old Henry Ford thing. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Yeah. So our belief precedes our reality. So I really worked on mindset a lot. I was drawn to that kind of content during that period of time. So I went back to the old greats, old masters of achievement, you know, Jim Rohn and Norman Vincent Peale and Earl Nightingale, Zig Ziglar, people like that. I, I was in the car a lot because of doing commission sales work door to door. When I was in the car, I, I borrowed a car, Jason. I didn't, I couldn't own a car. I borrowed the IRS took everything. I borrowed a car from a car dealer, a friend of mine, and it was a 1978 Mercury Zephyr wagon. Radio didn't work. The windows didn't roll up and down their power windows. Air conditioning didn't work. I didn't care. That was my tool to get back on my feet. When I was in the car, I had a battery-operated cassette player, and I played those cassettes because I knew my mind was like a garden. If I let weeds start, they were going to grow. If I could keep the weeds crowded out and infuse my brain with that positive, pure, clean, optimistic thinking, I had a chance, and that's what I did. I listened nonstop when I was in the car to those guys saying, you can do it. Think like this. This is the way out. 
And I just did day after day after day. Well, I see on the shelf behind you, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. It's uh, one of the best ever. Uh, how big of a part of that book did that play during those years of your life? A lot. Those were the foundational books. Absolutely. That, The Magic of Thinking Big, See at the Top, Zig Ziglar. That that you're looking at is an original copy, the first print run of that that my mastermind got me a couple years ago. It had such a foundational impact on me. And I joked with my wife that someday we'd be walking through a little used bookstore, you know, in Paducah, Kentucky somewhere and find an original copy. I don't think I ever verbalized that to anybody but her. But a couple of years ago, my mastermind gifted me. That's a very valuable book. If I were a regular guy, I'd keep it in a bank safe. But I like to be able to walk in here and see it and touch it and feel it. But things like that were exactly what allowed me to walk back out. Otherwise, man, I'd be a dude working at Kmart, you know, checking people out at the cashier. <laughs> what do you think was your one key to successfully navigating all of that? Was it, was it mindset or was there something different? It really was mindset. There's no question about it. I didn't have anything in reality to support it. I didn't have, you know, a rich dad on the side waiting to rescue me, trust me. Uh, but it was, it was mindset. And and, but what I did to reinforce that was find other people who had the same mindset. Mm -hmm. That's a critical part as well. I access books, audio programs voraciously, but I also sought out people who were going to believe along with me. I mean, Dave Ramsey, my gosh, we believed the same things. We believed we were going to come out of this alive and found other people we had the same belief. Dave and I started a, a little mastermind. We had 12 guys. We met for 14 years during this period of time. Every Wednesday morning, we met and we shared what we were going to do. We shared business practices. We helped each other in ways that we could. But that that's the key. Absolutely. It wasn't that I invented something or discovered the magic pill. No. Well, you, you talk about uh, Napoleon Hill and your mastermind. That's one of the principles he teaches is the mastermind principle is that getting around people to help you achieve something greater than you could on your own, faster than you could on your own. I, 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 I can't speak more highly to that is that you run a mastermind. I run a mastermind. I'm a part of a mastermind. We, we must be parts of masterminds. I mean, all the greats have had these mastermind people around them to help them navigate life's toughest journeys. What do you, uh, so if we talk about this word success, because you've been very successful, uh, you navigated that with, uh, with grace and ease looking back. I mean, obviously it was, it was a, you know, what show in the middle, but what do you, <laughs> what do you, how does Dan Miller define the word success? Well, in the strangest secret, which impacted me a lot, you see that over here as well, over my shoulder, I had the original little 33 and a third vinyl oh, wow. of that. That goes way back. But there, Earl Nightingale describes success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Now, that sounds a little elusive, but it really is. It, it's that where, with that definition, you can be successful as a high school sophomore because you're in that progress of working toward your worthy ideal. If you decide to you know, live in Haiti and help people build schools for two years. It can be part of your journey. So having that definition of success has been really, really helpful. It's not a destination. It's the, the way you live life, the way you journey through life. So by that definition, 
I was successful even in those years where I was recovering. Man, I had great relationship with my wife, my kids. My kids, it's funny, I've got grown kids now. They don't remember that as a tough time. They didn't realize we were, I mean, I was very open about sharing, but it wasn't like our home was a somber, dreary, dreadful place. We still had fun. We had game night where other kids in the neighborhood wanted to come to our house. Yeah, we didn't go to Sanibel Island on vacation. We might go to Taco Bell and get some burritos to go to the park. To them, it didn't matter. We still had that same sense of anticipation and fun. And that, that's got to remain in those periods of ups and downs. Well, I, I, you're the second person in 204 episodes that has given that definition, which is Earl Nightingale definition, the progressive revelation of war, the ideal. I am a big fan of the of the strangest secret and Earl Nightingale. I listen to that a lot. I listen to most of anything you've probably talked about and listened to. I've done the <laughs> same thing, but I think it's interesting. I ask every guest what their definition of success is, and only two have given that. I can't remember who wow. the other person was. So you're number two now. On that, using that as the definition of success, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? Yes, I do. And I, I, I am rich in so many ways. Now, I know what people, entrepreneurs think when they hear that, you know, let, let them see my bank account. Yeah, you know, that's okay. But that's not what I focus on first. I tell people I'm a familiar I mean, I'm so rich in family relationships. You mentioned in the intro, you know, I've got a wife of 55 years and 17 grandkids. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how valuable is that? I'm healthy. Geez, I have things that I enjoy. I still get the opportunity to to write and to interact with other wonderful people. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, we my, my wife, literally, Jason gets up in the morning, says she has to pinch herself to make sure this isn't a dream because we live in paradise. We live in a gorgeous, gorgeous community in Osprey, Florida, um, in a house that we could only have dreamed of even a few years ago. Uh, we have no mortgage. We have, you know, a, a, the doors are wide open today because we have a, a caged in pool. Then we have people at our house. I drive any kind of car that I want to. And again, I'm not driving a Ferrari. I'm not driving a $430,000 Ferrari because I just choose not to invest money in that way. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine any way to make my life significantly. There's, there's nothing missing. There's no big bucket item list that I haven't done yet. I mean, we go on cruises. Um, we can give generously. We just gave the largest gift we've ever given in a very unique way to an organization that we're really excited about. So it's wonderful. Well, Dan, it didn't happen. Didn't happen when you when I was 24 years old, <laughs> it, it took a while. What an inspiration, Dan. I, I tell you, I, I, I was really looking forward to having this conversation today, but I, di I wasn't prepared for that story. And, and oh. that makes me even more happy to know you and be associated with you to know that, you came through such a, a, a terrible time, a over a decade of your life, trying to run from bad mistakes and money problems to becoming the person, as you just described a moment ago, the successful person who's living, living that life. It, it's, it's an inspiration to everyone, I, I, certainly to me. And uh, I can't thank you enough for your, your influence on so many millions of people through your books and your writings and 
and your appearances and what you're doing with your mastermind. Do you want to take a minute to kind of tell people how they can get involved with what you've got going on at 48days.com? Sure. And I appreciate that. If I have, I have a very common name, you know, I wondered about you. You say the real Jason Duncan, does that just separate you from other Jason Duncans out there? It's actually a pretty funny story. That is not why I chose it. I actually, I'll do the quick version is that I used that because when I got on Instagram, I needed something and Jason Duncan was already taken and putting the real in front just seemed to be what people were doing. So I did that. (laughs) And then later a personal branding expert did a, did a session with me and, and she said, you need to claim that as your personal brand. And so there, that's how I became the real Jason Duncan. All right. Well, Dan Miller, as you can expect is a very common name. So if you put in Dan Miller, even as a career coach, which I'm known as, you put that in, there's going to be 12, 13 million sites that pop up. And Dan Miller is probably in there somewhere, but I have no idea where. However, you put in 48 days, just that, in a Google search, I own it. I'm going to own the first two, three pages, not through fancy SEO or paying for positionary, because that's a brand that has worked magic for me. So all you do is, is put that in. That's going to take you to all kinds of resources. But at 48days.com, and we've got connections to my podcast information about resources that can help people move forward, move past those mental blocks, change their mindset. I mean, we have a lot of resources that I'm just thrilled to to share with people. Got that brand new version of 48 Days to the Work and Life You Love that'll be coming out in August of 2024. So I'm excited about that. So I've got, you know, again, I, I enjoy hearing from just readers of my book. Somebody makes a minimal investment, 16 bucks or whatever it is. But uh, I love hearing those stories about how I was able to give them some hope and encouragement moving forward. Well, you've got other books too. You've got, of course, the, the, the OG, the original, the 48 Days of the Work You Love, and the one that's coming out next year, which is the 25th anniversary uh, of that book. But you also have Wisdom Meets Passion, No More Dreaded Monday, and An Understanding Heart. You want to briefly talk about those? Sure. No More Dreaded Mondays came out right after the original version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, because in there, I talked about doing resumes, interviewing, job search, negotiating salary and all that. But then at the end of the book, I said, maybe you're tired of being jerked around, not knowing when this job is going to end. Maybe you want to do something where you're more in the driver's seat. So I set the stage for No More Mondays, which is much more entrepreneurial, how to take ideas and really turn them into income. Then the other one you mentioned is Wisdom Meets Passion. I wrote that with my son who was living in Africa at the time. And it's different generational approaches to education, money, success, business, and all that. Delightful interaction with the two of us. So there's that, Wisdom Meets Passion. And Understanding Heart is my newest release. And it's a compilation of what I called Sabbath musings, just short kind of thinking things to challenge our static thinking that I wrote and sent only to my mastermind members. That was the only purpose for them. Did it over a four-year period of time. They're the ones that said, dude, you need to put this into a book and let other people experience this as well. So it's 95 short segments about how to think differently, how to see opportunities that other people miss. And understanding heart, of course, comes from Solomon, where Solomon didn't really ask for wisdom in the Bible. He said, God, you've given me all these people to manage. Give me an understanding heart. I thought if that's the basis of wisdom, I want that, an understanding heart. That's the title. 
That's beautiful. Well, go check him out at 48days.com. You can look him up anywhere on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. If you type in 48 days, you're going to find this guy right here. And uh, you, you, need to, you need to look into Dan Miller. This, this guy's still got some amazing stuff to share. He's got a wonderful story and background that he just shared with us. Dan, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. It's been an honor to hear your story. And I'm, uh, I want to congratulate you on all your success and pushing through those hard times. And thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. It's been a pleasure for me, and I hope we've inspired your listeners as well. The progressive realization of a worthy ideal. That is the definition that Dan gave as of what success is. And that came from Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret. So go check that on YouTube. You'll love it. It's only about... Uh, it's not, it's about half an hour, but you can listen to it. It's a wonderful definition of success. Only two people on the show have ever used but the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Now, let me ask you this. No matter where you are in your journey as an entrepreneur, you could be on top of the mountain making bazillion dollars a year and everybody loves you and you're living the life that you desire, or you could be in the pit of mud down at the bottom of the valley in the shadows. No matter where you are, you can be successful if you are progressively realizing a worthy ideal. So don't believe the lies that Instagram gurus and TikTok gurus are going to tell you that if you're in the mud pit in the shadows, that you're not worth anything, that you're not successful. And don't believe the ones that say just because you're at the top of the mountain driving that $430,000 Ferrari that you are successful. The reality is that success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And as long as you're moving towards that ideal, you're successful. Now, I know some of you listening to this show are in the middle of a crisis. You're in the middle of everything is hitting the fan and nothing is going right. But I want you to take into consideration Dan's story. Dan is a guy who's worth millions of dollars today. He's got tens of thousands of people he serves worldwide every single month. And this guy for 12 years couldn't own anything because the IRS said he couldn't. And during those 12 years, he was promoting and producing and publishing content on 48 days. So if we'd go back to that time period, look at him, we'd say, oh man, he's great. He's killing. He's successful. When in reality, his net worth was negative. We look at him today and we say, hey, this guy's doing awesome. Well, that is in fact true. But he was also doing awesome then. He just, his circumstances didn't tell the whole story. He was progressively realizing a worthy ideal. Are you doing the same thing? I want to invite you to take a look at my mastermind, the Exeter Club, because perhaps that's where you need to figure out how to progressively realize your worthy ideal. As we get ready to start the new year, this new year that's coming right around the corner, maybe this should be your year to gather those people around you, just like Dan talked about, that helped him through his lean years. Gather those people around you to get to that place you want to go faster than you could on your own. Go to theexeterclub.com. That's the Exeter Club. Exeter is spelled E-X-I-T-E-R. Theexeterclub.com. Check it out and go ahead and apply. Let's get together and talk about if this 2024 is the year you need to do that. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for leaving a review, for subscribing. 
And uh, make sure you continue to follow this show because I'm having some amazing conversations with people just like Dan. Thanks for being here today. I am the real Jason Duncan. And as always, Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.